Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. As always, the NFL is unbeaten. When it comes to being a sport that you talk about year-round, even in March, that's why it happens. And we'll get to Dak Prescott and his mammoth deal in just a second. Also, news involving the Raiders, and we continue to focus on a team to how to fix them. But we start with the tagging. That's right. Tagging, not just tagging up like in baseball, but in football. The 2021 NFL offseason will not officially begin until March 17th, but... Tuesday marked the deadline for NFL teams to place franchise tags on players. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. So as we go through the list, Mike, I'm just going to give a bunch that were tagged, and you tell me in which direction you'd like to go. But the Giants placed the franchise tag on defensive end Leonard Williams. Bears did it to Allen Robinson, their wide receiver. Panthers, offensive tackler Taylor Moten. Jaguars, offensive tackle Cam Robinson. The Jets, Marcus May, the safety. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, franchise tagging Chris Godwin. And the Saints, tagging safety Marcus Williams. Of those, any of which you'd like to expand upon? You know, the, the Leonard Williams, I think they, the Giants had to. He had such a good year this year, better than anything I expected. He rushed the passer extremely well, uh, something he didn't do with the Jets. So I think, you know, you're gonna he's going to go out there and get a huge deal. They're tight on the cap. They're going to have to work around it. They want to be... They want to be aggressive in free agency, so it's going to be interesting how that all plays out. The Panthers, Tyler Moten, I mean, the reality was you can't let an offensive lineman make it to the street. This is why, you know, you must, you must always draft offensive linemen because even guys that are not great, and I would say Moten and Cam Robinson are not great players, but they're effective players, and when they they don't even make it to the market. So, you know, for all those mock drafts that have 17,000 receivers going in the first round, you know, you might want to think about taking a tackle that's good, dependable, that's you're going to get starts out of, you can play, because you can't be tackle poor in the NFL, witnessed by the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So, you know, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And that actually makes me think of the Eagles, not to get sidetracked on the draft, but I was just reading an article saying that the Eagles might target a wide receiver at number six, because as we know, the receivers have been so woeful. And yet you could look at that offensive line, Mike, and make the case they became old overnight. Maybe that's a greater source of need. Just to your point about how offensive linemen should be valued by teams like Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, this is the perfect example, right? So free agency is no different than going to, to a, you know, you know those high-end grocery stores that you go to, right? That, that you know, Millie always tells me you're not allowed to go, you know, if you go in there you got to stay on the outside of the aisles right <laughs> like you can't buy toilet paper don't buy cereal there well that's free agency right you got to shop on the outside of the store so if you try to buy an offensive tackle down and those guys are in the middle aisles it's going to be so expensive it's going to be ridiculous you're going to end up not getting it so you got to try to nibble your way around the store and don't ever go in the store hungry you know because then you're really going to overpay and we'll talk about that you talk about grocery games I mean that's we'll talk about this in the Gruden segment I mean but you talk about team that just literally has an empty shopping cart and he's just throwing shit in it left and right <laughs> we'll get to that in a second the players not getting tagged the line do not put the franchise tag on wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Packers did not use the franchise tag to retain Pro Bowl running back Aaron Jones. Second straight 1,000-yard rushing season. He led the NFL with 19 touchdowns in 2019, including the playoffs that season. He scored 23 times. Uh, Janu Smith for the Titans, not tagged. Tight end. Chargers not using the franchise tag on tight end Hunter Henry. And also the Steelers not using the tag on linebacker Bud Dupree. 
couple more for you. Seahawks will not use the franchise tag on corner Shaq Griffin or running back Chris Carson. Any surprises there, Mike? You know, I, I was, you know, look, the, 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 when they signed Terrell Williams, the Lions, they basically said they're going to let Galladay go. And they took a cheaper deal on Williams to let Galladay go. I'm not saying that's the right thing. I think the Packers will be competitive. You know, the one thing that you have to understand about free agency is, and you listen to this podcast, is there's never five teams involved in a player. Just stop that. Like, you know, the first day of free agency, we're going to all the ESPN insiders are going to say, this guy's, there's 18 teams after this guy. No. Agents will tell you, everybody who's ever done contracts in the league will tell you, there's maybe two teams. Now, where it gets really hard to get a guy is when the home team's involved. When the home team wants the player, that's when it's a hard contract to do. The Packers want Aaron Jones. Now, there'll be a point where they'll walk. There'll be a point where they'll walk. Obviously, they didn't want to franchise him. There'll be a point where they walk. But they're also going to be there if it's the right deal. So, you know, that's what happens. I think these two tight ends, Janu Smith and Hunter Henry, I think they're going to make a fortune. I think these guys are going to, and I think you could throw in the Everett kid from the Rams in this in this category too. I mean, Gerald Everett. The, these tight ends are going to make a lot of money because once again, the, the numbers, the impact on the game and the number you have to pay won't be as ridiculous as what you think. I, I think they're going to be huge. Riddick's a player to me, had a really good really good year last year. Can he duplicate it? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Riddick ends up with the Carolina Panthers. Matt Rule had him when he was a Temple, you know, and so there. Bud Dupree, it's all about the injury. So you just got to see that. And and I think the other thing is the attitude is why pay a running back? Look, I think Chris Carson's a really good player. I love to have him on my team, but I'd rather draft Chris Carson than have to sign Chris Carson. Like that to me is the key. It's a little bit like, why don't you, you know, do you buy soda at that high-end store? Of course you don't because, you know, Pepsi's the same whether it's at this high-end store or whether it's over at Walmart, right? So, you know, why would I pay twice as much for the Pepsi at the high-end store when I can just drive over to Walmart and get it cheaper? It's the same thing with running backs. Why do I have to pay Chris Carson when I could draft a back? Maybe not quite as good, not quite as good, but similar to, and I get them for cheap dollars. Remember, Carson's a seventh round pick. Like you never want to pay for somebody else's success in the draft. That's a rule. That's that sign should hang up in the in the offices. Never pay for somebody else's success. That's the one thing that drives me crazy about Deshaun Watson. I love Deshaun Watson. You know that. I love him more than anybody. I would have drafted Deshaun Watson. I don't want to pay five first round picks for him now. You know, I want to find, I want to, I want to get him when the value's lower. Remember, free agency is no different than being in the stock market. You've got to buy when the price is right. When the price gets too high, you've got to be able to say no. Buy low, sell high. Like you said, it's the stocks and it's also when it comes to football. And some of these guys are going to cash in and some of these guys might get squeezed because we all know the cap is going down. And so it could be a challenging market for some, but it's not a challenging market for Dak Prescott. You talk about a guy who is getting paid and this contract gargantuan, Mike. I I I get the fact Jerry Jones loves him, but man, I mean, he's a good quarterback. Okay. He's a very good quarterback. He's a top 10 quarterback. He's also coming off a gruesome injury. He's also part of a team that's got a lot of issues, and he just got signed to this crazy deal. Four years, $160 million, including 126 guaranteed. Now, the deal is technically for six years, but voids to four so as to help Dallas against the salary cap so it can be worth up to $164 million. So the signing bonus, $66 million. Highest in NFL history. A record $75 million due in year one, according to Adam Schefter. Cap numbers 22.2 instead of 37.7. That helps. He's 28 years of old in July. 
But Mike, he's coming off a compound fracture, a dislocation of his right ankle. This is a challenge when you've been this banged up to me. And, and for his career, again, he's a really good quarterback. 2016 fourth round pick. He's 42 and 27, 106 touchdown passes, 40 interceptions. But when I saw the numbers, my eyes almost popped out of my head. You? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's Jerry got himself trapped, right? Jerry's unwilling to say no. Jerry's Jerry wants Dak, and you know when you're when you when you're a billionaire and you want something, and also Jerry's benefiting AD from the fact that he's on the he's on the finance he's on the TV committee, so he knows what these TV deals are going to come in at. He has a fairly good idea what the cap's going to be like in four years. You know, he has a fairly good idea what the cap's going to look like in three years. He knows with the Johnson and Johnson shot. By the way, I got a shot. I hope you get one soon. Yeah. You know, by the way, I saw you post. I saw you post on Instagram. So you got the Johnson Johnson, right? One shot, you're good. No, no, I got the Pfizer one over here. Of all the things, I mean, I live near Atlantic City. If there's, if there is a, a more dysfunctional, screwed up town outside of New Orleans, <laughs> it, it would be Atlantic City, right? <laughs> Like seriously, the, the 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 corruption in the town. I think the mayor just got sent away for six months for stealing money from a little league baseball. I, I forget what the hell he was doing, you know. But it, it's a screwed up city. I mean, it's you just look at it when you drive around it. You say like, how could I fix this? Like, where would I start? You know, you got all these empty. You got two empty casinos on the boardwalk that are just run down. That they it looks like a ghost town. It looks like you're in Chernobyl. You know, it's like what's going on here? And, and yet, for whatever reason. They have this vaccination site over in Atlantic City, and it runs like precision, like absolute precision. You get on the line, you get online, you, you get yourself in a query. The query says your number, you know, 250, and you sign up and you pick a date. You go over there, they put it in your arm, and you're out within a within 20 minutes. It's a, it's just truly amazing. It's like you're in Disneyland and you're in Atlantic City. And you're like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, you know. I got the Pfizer one, which they say is even if it, it, I got to go back for the second one, I don't know about the Johnson & Johnson, but I do think the Johnson & Johnson sot pertains to Dak Prescott. How weird is that, right? Because the, we know now with the Johnson & Johnson shot that's going to be readily available, Merrick's making it too, that when people put this in their arm, you know, there's a 100% guarantee you're not going to die. There's a 100% guarantee you're not going to the hospital. You might get sick, but those two conditions are going to allow fans to come back in the stands. Now, we're going to maybe have to wear a mask. That's fine. Who cares, right? You know, and there's going to be protocols. Who cares? But I think I think this Johnson & Johnson shot's the game changer. And I think that the revenues next year, I think when we start September, I think we're going to see stadiums at least 75% full. Maybe not 100, but I think we will. So I think that's going to add to the pot. Plus, we're going to see Amazon make this huge deal. We know Disney's going to make a huge deal to keep Monday Night Football. So you know, Jerry's sitting there saying, "Look, this is this is the most most uh, fertile time in the history of the NFL." In spite of COVID, we've come out the other side. Yeah, we took some losses in COVID, but look, our TV partners are willing to pay for those losses and then some. And here we go. That's interesting. Like I said, Jerry's almost got the advantage. Like I said, having that extra information and. In- I agree with you. I do think that by the time the NFL season rolls around, I kept thinking by September we'll be in better shape. And that 75% to me isn't outlandish. I mean, because as you said, the mask like at this point, it's like, whatever. Like if someone told me the rest of your life you have to wear a mask, I'm like, okay, but I can still go to the ball game, right? Great. Like I agree with you. I think people's tolerance has been built up. They just want to be able to go and enjoy themselves in whatever fashion it is. So yeah. I hear you. Maybe that's why 
That, that that's why Jeremy made this move. Go ahead. It, no, I, I think you're right, and I think the, the the fact is you're right. He overpaid. I mean, he got himself trapped. Right. He he wanted to do a contract that was less than Russell Wilson. And Todd France won. Todd France used patience. You know, he used patience to basically make Jerry tag him. He waited for Mahomes' deal to get done. He waited for Watson's deal to get done. And then he w- then he had all the cards. Jerry had no cards left. Jerry either franchised him, which he didn't want to do. And Jerry knew he could write a big check. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that $66 million is paid out. Does does he get twenty at signing? Does he get twenty in September? Does he get twenty in October? How Jerry pays that? You know, you know, most teams that I work for, we didn't have that kind of cash flow. Jerry does. He probably just going to write the check. He'll write the check. Maybe give him five million at signing, five million in a month, five. You know, just pay it as he goes, and then you know, write the whole thing at the end of the year in the one calendar year. But he gets all this money. Now, I think the thing that helped him is that Dak was going in the facility, that Dak has been not working his ankle outside the medical people of Dallas. They know the ankle. They know the conditions. Their doctors were part of the second surgery. Their doctors are also part of the rehab. So Jerry has good medical information on where Dak is. And he wouldn't do this deal if he didn't have that medical information. So I think that really helps him. Absolutely. And now you wonder, how does it impact Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr? I mean, you said before, Aaron Rodgers wants that salary restructured. That's why he said, I'm not sure about my future. Derek Carr is a guy, maybe generates interest. You look at Russell, me. he had said Dallas is one of the four teams he wanted to go to potentially. So I wonder how it affects those guys as well. Oh, it's going to affect them because water seeks its level, right? It, it, this is all the tides rise based on the contract. And so if you're if you're Lamar Jackson, now, you know, Lamar didn't have an agent. His mom did it. So I don't know how that's going to play. If he's going to hire himself another agent and just pay a retainer, I don't know. But if you're the Bravens, I mean, you know, look, Lamar's played at a higher level than Dak has. He's won playoff games. You know, he's won the MVP of the league. He's not going to get into that. What's it going to do for Baker Mayfield? Like, if you're Baker Mayfield, you're saying there, okay, look, I took a team to the playoffs. I'm a good player. You know, am I a $41 million a year player? If you have to pay Baker Mayfield that, that's ridiculous, you know? So that's a hard contract to do. It just makes some of these guys who aren't there. The hardest thing to do in the NFL is to get players to understand not everybody's great. I'm not saying Dak is great. Dak used timing to his advantage. Now, Baker could do the same thing. Baker could do the same thing, and it would behoove the Browns today to draft a quarterback to make sure that they don't get caught like Dallas did. Because if you're not willing to say no, then you're going to be willing to overpay. And that's never a place you want to be. Exactly. It wants to work out for both sides. And you're right. For Dak Prescott, I think it worked out beautifully for his side. After the break, how do you mess up a 10-year, $100 million contract? We'll break down John Gruden, the Mike Mayock era for the Raiders. That's next. All right. Anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops 
driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. So how to mess up a 10-year deal? Patriots acquiring offensive tackle Trent Brown from the Raiders in a trade to agreeing to a restructured one-year deal worth up to $11 million. Patriots sending a 2022 fifth-round pick to the Raiders in exchange for Brown and a 2022 seventh-round pick. Brown previously played for the Patriots in 2018, starting every game of the team's Super Bowl championship season. Gruden back in 2019, this is a quote, if we came up with the money to make that Khalil Mack contract happen, we wouldn't have Trent Brown, we wouldn't have Antonio Brown, LaMarcus Joyner, Vontez Burfitt, we wouldn't have Tyler Terrell Williams. Raiders did also get two first-rounders for a second. Bottom line is this, in January of 2018, John Gruden signed a 10-year, $100 million deal over 10 years to leave Monday Night Football to coach the Raiders. And this is an example, Mike, where you say to yourself, what exactly are the Raiders doing? Go further specific to Trent Brown and why the Raiders screwed this up. Well, I, I think this. I think there's two issues here. You know, first of all, I'm not a Raider hater. I, I, I love the Raiders. Yeah, Al Davis fired me. That that was, uh, you know, that's a long time ago. I appreciated working for the Raiders. I love them. This is just strictly an analysis of the situation. And it's really knowing Gruden. I was with Gruden in Philadelphia. I was with Gruden in Oakland. Gruden is not a very good personnel man. That's just a fact. There's some guys that have the ability to see talent, procure talent, develop talent. John's never about developing talent. If you have moments today, you're listening to this podcast and you're a Raider fan, write down on one hand the quarterbacks that, that John developed who were young quarterbacks. Older quarterbacks, he can do that with. Young quarterbacks, no. So John spent all this time out of football. Right. And John was, you know, very successful on television, did a great job, smart, knows the game, all that. Right. So he spent all his time out of football. But what he's, and then he would bring coaches into his building and they would spend time going over schemes, yada, yada, yada. And then he got this opportunity to run an organization. He's the CEO of the Raiders. Now you could say, well, Mayock's a GM. No, no. Look, Mayock works for Gruden. Mayock might go out there and have a press conference and talk about the draft. He might talk about this. Mayock is not putting anything in the shopping cart that John Gruden doesn't want shopped, right? Like he's not, he has no, it's like, you know, oh, no, we're not buying that. You could take that out of the cart. No, we're not paying, you know, that's it. He's not doing that. So Gruden runs the team. And when you give Gruden control of your entire organization, you got to know what you're getting. And Mark Davis, who really is truly a good owner, and I think he truly intends to do really well. But the problem is I don't think he really understood why we wanted the Raiders when Gruden was there. Al controlled the players. Gruden would have wanted to do something. Al would have said no. Al would have said, I'm not doing that. I'm not paying that. You know, we were always trying to finagle a way to come out with, and Gruden was never happy with the talent on the team. But since he's had to run a team, since he's left the Super Bowl in 2003, since, since the Super Bowl win in 02, Gruden's overall record is 64 and 82 as a head coach. 64 and 82 as a head coach because he's had control of his destiny since then. 
And there's just some times in life where we have to admit to ourselves, I'm really good at this, but I'm not good at that. I'm really good at this, but I'm really suck at that. And Gruden is not good as a team builder. For all that time he spent in Tampa having coaches come over, you know, grinding the tape, looking at shit, he spent zero time, zero time on how to build a team. Like if you would spend, if you had all that time and you got a 10-year contract, I walk into the building and I'm saying, okay, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to make sure I got a legitimate left tackle. I want a legitimate right tackle. I want a quarterback that I believe in. I want a defensive end. Here are the seven positions I got to have. I don't give a fuck what we do. We're getting those seven positions. I'm not getting distracted on any of that. And here's the player development program. Here's how we're going to develop players. Okay, here's the way we're going to develop players. Here's how we're going to draft. Here's the grading system. See, Gruden never has any of this. And it's not his fault because he's never really been around anybody who did it. He's never really understood the personnel game. He was with he was in Green Bay for a little bit with Holmgren. You know, Holmgren didn't really have a control. He went to Philadelphia with Ray Rhodes. No, then he went to Oakland and and Al ran everything. So now he's running the team and he doesn't really understand how to build a team. So you're getting mistakes and then you have to know him. Like he loves old players. So when he gives Jordy Nelson 13 million for one year and Jordy Nelson has 60 some catches, you just got to accept it. Like who's going to tell him no? He gave Rashard Melvin $4 million. I mean, we were, Rashard Melvin is a, is a minimum salary player, a minimum salary player. I mean, he, he gave LaMarcus Joyner, who's in the quote, 21 million. I mean, LaMarcus Joyner's a 5'9 corner who plays safety. Like he's not, he, where, where are we going with this? Like, what's the painting we're pit? What's the picture? And he has a 10 year deal. So now he's three years into the deal, right? He's three years into the deal. He's got a 19 and 29 record with the Raiders, no playoffs. And as much as Raider fans don't want to hear this, Jack Del Rio was 25 and 24 after three years with a playoff loss. So, like, where, where are we going? I mean, Mark Davis loves Gruden. He fell in love with Gruden. It's a bromance. But evaluate what he's doing when it comes to personnel. And that's really the issue here. John doesn't know how to build a team. He knows how to coach the quarterback, and that's it. That's what he knows. And so he's got 10 years. He's got another 70 million. Do you think this is going to change? You think this is going to change? Because somebody's got to tell him no. Mayock isn't going to tell him no. Mayock can't tell him no. No one's telling him no. John's personality is so strong and so forceful. No one's going to tell him no. I want what I want. I want Lynn Bowden. How do you, so, okay, you want to draft Lynn Bowden in the third round. John, explain to me how he gets on the field. Like, let's walk through this. Like, if we draft him in the third round, how's he playing? We draft Edwards from South Carolina. How's he going to play in the third round? I just want him, man. I just want him. They're good players. They're great. We'll make, I'll make them work. Well, you don't. It doesn't work that way. Like, everything has to fit. There just can't be, I want, I want, I want. This ain't grocery games. And I think that's the greatest frustration is that what's the answer? Like essentially, we you you've sealed your fate as a franchise when you give a guy a 10-year, $100 million contract. Like, think of those numbers. In January of 2018, we're only three years later. So to your point, Mike, he could make disastrous move after disastrous move, and he feels so emboldened because you gave him this lavish contract. 
So the only way you could solve it, because you're right, John's not going to acquiesce. Why would he? Quite frankly, if I was him, no, I've got all the clout. I've got all the juice. I'm going to keep going. You bring in another strong figure. I guess you could do that. But then why did you give $100 million if you didn't realize he wasn't going to be good with personnel? Like, I, I guess if you replaced Mayock with a stronger, firmer hand and then went toe-to-toe with Gruden, perhaps, but then the organization could become dysfunctional. So I don't really know, even know what the answer is right now. It, it's already dysfunctional because it, Gruden doesn't listen to anybody. He just does whatever he wants to do. You know, everybody, you know, it's, it's, it's not, he didn't build a culture. He didn't go out there all that time. He spent out of football. He never even talked about culture, build the right culture. I mean, we got Trent Brown ripping the culture. I mean, of all things, right? Here's a guy who played 16 games. He got 30 million, $36 million of Mark Davis's money. You add up Trent Brown, 36 million, Corey Littleton, 22, LaMarcus Joyner, 21, Terrell Williams, 21. I mean, you're talking about some serious, serious cash. That's just flying out the window, just flying out the window. At some point, you have to have organizational control over it. And, you know, John's never going to admit that he can't do it. I want, I want, I want. And because he's been successful, because he's got this media perception, nobody's nobody's brings up the point that he's 64 and 82 since the Super Bowl. I mean, if you're 64 and 82 since the Super Bowl, you'd get your ass fired. You'd get your ass fired. This is not about hating John Gruden. John Gruden's a really good quarterback coach. He's never going to let the defense really be what they need to be because everything he does is based on the offense. So there's some guys that are really good coaches. They're just not good executives. The executive Gruden is hurting the coach Gruden, but there's no other way to do it. And I think really deep down, Mark Davis didn't understand why when we had Gruden, why we were successful. We were successful because we had Rich Gannon. We were successful because Hal Davis wanted to make sure we had a really good offensive line. I mean, we, we drafted Matt Stincomb in the first round. We signed Barry Sims as a college free agent. But Bill Callahan started Barry, Barry Sims over uh, Stinchcomb. Stinchcomb never played for us. It's a blown pick. You know, and so we just, it, it, it just really was, somebody has to be able to tell him no, and nobody there can do it. And they're just going to keep going down. They'll say, well, we're going to get better next year. Seriously? With this offense, with this defense, you're going to get better? You're not going to get better. You're, and and then, then he hires Gus Bradley. That I, I know that when John's getting ready to play Gus Bradley, John's probably walking around the building saying, oh, man, this is going to be the easiest game ever. One front, one coverage. We're going to attack the shit out of him. And then he brings him in. It's amazing to think Mark Davis's hair is not the biggest joke right now when it comes to the Raiders. We move on. Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge, they remain committed to Daniel Judge as the Giants quarterback, saying, quite frankly, he's everything we want. Uh, when Joe Judge was asked about whether or not they're going to jump in the quarterback market, he said, no, not at all. We have confidence in Daniel. He showed us a lot of improvements. A lot of things that go on and on about how much we respect him and like him and the locker room response to him. Get him on a, against it. He's the guy. Giants, okay, they're committed to Daniel Jones. What they're telling us, they have the 11th overall pick in the draft. Again, we know all about building the draft. The Giants have other issues. If you're the Giants right now, Mike, would you be as confident, at least emphatic, that Daniel Jones is your guy? Well, I like this quote by, by Gettleman. Gettleman says, again, I say this all the time. This is Gettleman's words, not mine. The kid just finished his second year of the NFL football. How many of us, after two years at our new job, were great? We all start at point A, and we hopefully get to point C. But there's one common denominator. It takes time. Does Dave realize that the Giants have fired two coaches the last two years after two seasons? Do you think that thought ever entered his mind? That he fired that they fired two coaches. They fired Ben McAdoo after two years. They fired they fired Pat Shermer after two years. Like, if that's then why didn't they have the same opportunity to get better at their jobs? Right? Well, you could say, well, they were, you know, McAdoo was a first-time head coach. 
You know, I mean, Shermer was the second time head coach. So what are you saying? Like, I, I, you know, either you have it or you don't. Look, I think that they're going all in on it. I mean, this is going to determine, this is the t- to going to determine their franchise and see where they go. We'll see if they write. They believe it. You know, that they want to believe it, whether it's right or not. To me, I just thought the quote was, you know, who's not good after? I mean, usually players after two years, you kind of have a pretty good sense of where they are. You know, you have a really good sense. Like, this guy's going to be really good. Like, this guy, you know, this guy is going places. We'll see. I, I'm not as optimistic. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I'm not sold. If you said to me, this guy's going places, I'm like, well, what do you mean going places? Like, in what direction? What, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I would tell you, I think Daniel Jones has shown some glimpses of promise. I think he's shown some potential. I think at all the times, he's been disappointing. I'm not watching Daniel Jones for two seasons going, oh, this guy's going to be a stud. I'm shrugging my shoulders going, meh. He's all right. Like that's if you ask me, Daniel Jones, that's my assessment. Yeah, he's all right. That does not mean what Dave Gettleman's talking about. Like he's going to be a star right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like everything, and, and they got some cap issues. Are they going to be able to repeat what they did last year? I mean, they played well. You know, they won some games. They, they, they obviously need some better skill players, and they're going to try to turn their team around. I, I, I don't know. I mean, if if they a year from now, if they're in the same boat with Daniel Jones, it's going to be a miscalculation. Hundred percent. When we come back, we'll continue the. Fix My Team segment profiling the Bengals and the Falcons. That's next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures market, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From New Jersey, USA, it's Fix My Team and How Many Moves. And now, here are your hosts, Michael Lombardi and Adnan Berg. 
Fix my team and how many moves? How about the Cincinnati Bengals? The only AFC team, AFC North team, excuse me, not in the playoffs. First time since 03, they had the first overall selection. Joe Burrow was great, but obviously they were eliminated from playoff contention. They did improve to a 4-11-1 record overall. We hope Burrow is going to be okay and be able to bounce back. Mike Brown is the owner. Joe Douglas is GM. Zach Taylor, your head coach. Mike, and how many moves can you fix the Bengals? Well, I think it's going to take at least four six moves to fix this team because it's all going to be offensive and defensive linemen. I mean, they've got to get better up front. Chino Atkins isn't the same player. I think Carl Lawson, you know, he's a free agent. He can rush. He's going to get paid. I I, I think he'll get paid. Uh, he's a nickel rusher, but I think there'll be teams that go after him. But for me, this is all about the offensive line. They can't play with Michael Jordan, Trey Hopkins, Quinton Spann, Bobby Hart at right tackle. It's just not good enough. They've got to get better. And when they were really good, when they were really good, their offensive line was dynamic. When they were really good back in the 80s, when they had some incredible players, their offensive line was dynamic. And, and they don't, if they don't fix that, they're never going to get this thing turned around. You know, John Williams, the kid they drafted in the first round at left tackle. Billy Price, the kid they drafted in the first round, hasn't, didn't, couldn't even start for him. So they've got to hit with offensive linemen. They've got to be able to make those plays, hit with those guys, and hopefully keep the team keep the quarterback healthy because if he's healthy, they've got enough weapons, whether it's Tyler Boyd, Trey Higgins, they can do it. And then defensively, just continue to improve the defensive line. To me, every move the Bengals make this offseason should be nothing but more than just offensive and defensive linemen. Yeah, and that's where it gets interesting because you say, okay, you know, obviously there's always so much focus on the quarterback and hopefully he's okay. But if it's offensive line, defensive line, again, build through the draft, Building the trenches. Where are they with cap space, Mike? Forgive me. How are they as far as their money and allocation, that kind of stuff? They're always going to be have money. They're always going to be they have money because they they are they are not. I would not say they're they're. Everybody thinks they're cheap. I think they're more frugal. They have forty million of cap room. Forty one million of cap room. And they could create even more if they needed to. So, you know, I think they're always going to do what they feel like is in the best interest of of the way they value the market, which is not necessarily always the right way. And they do become cheap at times, but they have skill. And if they can get some offensive linemen and defensive linemen at the right price, I mean, they they really should sign Lawson back. He was a good rusher for them, uh, but we'll see what he gets in that open market. It may become really expensive. All right, let's also do the Atlanta Falcons as far as fixing this team. They had a few questions. Three and nine with four games left to go. They won all those games to save Dan Quinn's job. Quinn was on the hot seat entering the season. They entered the season, lofty expectations. It was a disastrous season. They went four and 12. Arthur Blank is the owner. Arthur Smith is the head coach. Uh, fourth round overall pick, excuse me, in the first draft, 35th overall pick in the second round. How many moves to fix the Falcons, Mike? I think it's a two-year process. I really do. I think this is this team has kind of made their run, and now they're out of gas, right? And so you got to be able to, and they got cap issues. They've got severe cap issues because they're, you know, they're not in great shape where they, they need to be. You're, right now, they are, they're, they're 16 million above the cap. You know, so for me, what I would do is I draft a I, I look at the quarterback landscape. I'm not saying they have to draft one, but I'm getting a quarterback. I need Matt Ryan's replacement out of this year's draft if he's available. If he's not available, then then I need to repair these offensive lines. This has been the downturn of their team, their offensive line. Alec Mack is a free agent. 
And then they've got to figure out where are they going defensively. They hire, you know, my man comes out of retirement again, Dean Peace. I mean, Dean Peace has been, uh, he, he's been incredible coming out of retirement. He makes Jay-Z look like he never came out of retirement. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, but they got to fix their defensive front and they have corners that need to cover. They don't really have any covers coverage back there, even though they drafted A.J. Terrell in the first round. They have Isaiah Oliver in the second round. I mean, they need to be able to cover. But for me, once again, this is all about, they got to fix, the, they got to get the quarterback get the quarterback, forget about the running back. You know, Ty, Todd Gurley was a waste of money. You know, it was really, they got to fix the quarterback position this year and then build around him. It's interesting too, because we've talked before about Matt Ryan and you said before and Julio Jones even, like, would you deal those guys? Because Ryan is a guy who, um, to be honest, his past, is his prime is gone. Obviously, we know that. And if, like you said, you got to fix it into your process, then why even keep Matt Ryan? Yeah, I, that's, I, I think you keep Matt Ryan because it's too cost you too much to cut him. You know, I, I would trade Julio Jones and get more assets because, you know, Julio's, you know, Julio's going to enter his 10th year. You could probably get a heavy price for him, you know, especially when you need cap room and you're going to rebuild your team. And look, you're going to waste Julio's years because you're going to have a hard time really becoming a good team. So I know the owner wants to be good right now, but to me, I would just, I would come up with a 24 month plan on how to fix this team, starting with the quarterback, starting with the lines. As always, you can follow Mike on Twitter at M Lombardi NFL. Follow me, Adnan Esferk. You can also follow our show's Instagram page at the GM Shuffle. We close up with the GM Shuffle Pop Culture Minute. Stanley Tucci now checking out Lombardi, L O M B A R D Y, where he went to Milan. As explain there's North Italy and there's South Italy. North Italy, no pasta. Because of the rain, it's a lot more risotto. You get some polenta going in your system. So pizza is Naples. Rome, you have the four pastas. Milan is all about money, people working hard, fashion, and risotto. And then, and then Stanley Tucci makes the move up to the Alps and he meets the cheesemaker. This guy has had cheese growing for 12 years. Incredible, Mike. It was unbelievable. Like, could you just, didn't you just want to live in that town? Like where that cheesemaker was? Like, I just didn't want to go. Like, I, I didn't want to leave there. You know, it, it's in the aerobic Alps. I mean, it's called the Bitro Center. I mean, the guy has been making cheese forever. And, and it's just like, it was like unbelievable. Like, that looked like heaven. That looked like the, like, even though it was snowing and it would look cold, that looked like just the perfect place to just just escape to. If I ever had to go in witness protection, <laughs> I would ask for the aerobic Alps. <laughs> How about the fact, like, the reason they get the cheese to be so good is that the grass that they feed the cows, like, it, was, it was amazing just, like, how in-depth it was. I was and, and think of just the patience. Think of how pissed off you and me get if, like, the phone doesn't work, you get bad cell service, the cable's out. This guy waits 12 years for the cheese to come out. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. And, and you know, the one thing I think, I've yet to see Stanley drink red wine. I'm a little worried about my man Stanley Tucci. He looks like he's just drinking white wine all the time. Like, come on. Like, I don't drink white wine. Like, Stanley, you're you're a goomba. You got to drink a little red here. I never see red in his glass. Like, get a little, yeah, he's at the cheese place and he's drinking white. Like, give me, I mean, how do you not drink red wine with cheese? Like, it's sacrilegious. <laughs> for a guy who's Italian on both sides, you got to learn. You got to drink some red wine. Uh, once again, Searching for Italy with Stanley Tucci's on CNN Sunday nights. It's been great fun. Thank you for checking out the GM Shuffle. We've got more coming up next week. We'll talk a lot more free agency. We'll see you then.